Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, your toaster's ready to win your divorce. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Seth Nelson. As always, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. The ex-experts are here. Jessica Klingbaum and T.H. Irwin are two best friends who got divorced at the exact same time and had completely different experiences. As the ex-experts, they offer professional resources to guide others through the divorce process, too, along with their podcast, Divorce, Etc., and their online community. TH and Jessica, welcome to the toaster. Thank you for having us. Very excited to be here. Thank you. I've never been to a toaster before. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a little hot. Time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, hi, guys. So glad you were here. I want to start with uh, just a little bit of backstory uh, because I've heard people decide to become parents at the same time and people decide to go to prom <laughs> at the same time. But the planned divorce at the same time seems like something worth at least noting. Uh, what did you was it a dare? Did you bet? Uh, Did somebody lose a bet? That would have been funny. I mean, we're we're always talking. We're always telling people you you can't you you can't make this shit up. Yeah. Um, We we originally to give you like a little even more backstory because it's kind of all in the context. T. I've been married and divorced twice, so I really am an expert. T. H. And my first husband were best friends from high school, so she and I met when we were in college, and we. Really quickly, the story, she came into a Halloween party and I'd heard all about her and she evidently, so she says, had heard nothing about me. So I go running up to her and I'm like, oh my God, you're TH. And she literally looks at me and she's like, where's Darren? (laughs) And I go over to him and I'm like, that's your best friend. She's a bitch. I was pre-gaming. I was a senior in college. And this little thing that weighs 80 pounds wet is in my face. Like my nose could touch her. And so and I don't even remember the story, but now I feel like I own the story. And so I defend myself in a story I don't exactly remember. This is great. I love that we're in the airing of grievances part of the show. So it was an auspicious start. But a couple years later, once everybody had graduated, we all lived in the city. Tate was dating the guy that she was going to end up marrying. We all became best friends. Tate and I became best friends. Our, our guys became best friends. We ended up getting engaged within a month of each other married within a month of each other, and then 13 years, and then living life together, traveling as couples together, 13 years down the line, within one week of each other, we both found out that each of our husbands were cheating on us and covering for each other. They were like traveling on couples trips with their girlfriends while we were home working and raising the kids. Yeah. What the actual shit is yes. that about? That's not even the tip of the iceberg, but that's enough for like a, a holy crap moment. But that's yeah. the story about why we ended up literally getting divorced at the same time. <laughs> oh my God. I don't, I'm gobsmacked. You guys, you guys should see Pete right now. Yeah. His jaw is dropped. <laughs> and Pete is never speechless. The massive balls on these guys to think that they could, that is extraordinary. Yes. See, I have yeah. a different perspective. Okay. I don't think they're massive. I think they're, they have no balls because they didn't come and say they wanted a divorce. They didn't say they were unhappy in the marriage. We had zero communication. And my husband at the time was actually engaged to the woman he was having a four year affair with. She called me to make sure I wasn't, I wasn't married to him anymore because she was engaged. So I think actually their balls are so small that they don't exist because they didn't have the nerve to come clean and be like a decent human being. In most cases, to be fair, the bigger the balls, the less utility you have for them. So, <laughs> okay, I just okay, want to make sure. Massive balls, <laughs> massive wow, balls. Let me tell you, totally useless. I never thought you should be a lawyer till you just made that argument. <laughs> that was the best save you've ever done. <laughs> this is the yeah. only show I can make these kinds of saves on, though, too. So. 
this is that is an amazing story and well deserved that you end up in doing doing this gig together. So when did you decide, okay, we've we've been through all of this together. Let's go ahead and start a business and help other people. What was that what was that conversation like? Was it just immediate? It was pretty immediate. But the problem was for me, well, this was this wasn't the problem. I was thrilled to be out of my divorce. It was a saving grace. And I actually told her that day that she saved my life. So that was the first day of the rest of my life when I got that call. But he is a narcissist, a true narcissist, and dragged me through court for four years, multiple experts, a shit ton of money, a waste of time and emotion, trauma for all of us. And by the way, he was still engaged to this woman. So I could not create a resource to help others when I was first, like, I don't even know what the divorce process is. Like, I was ready personally to run on with the rest of my life, but the process is just debilitating if you're divorcing somebody like that. So it couldn't happen right away, even though we thought of it right away. Right, right. At the time, what we were talking about was like doing some kind of a call and radio show, something where people could call in and ask questions. I mean, something where... As we were going through our divorce, we had each other every single day, every step of the way. Our divorces were totally different. I ended up having a very amicable divorce. I'm really close with my ex. We acknowledged to each other how lucky we were that we were in the weeds with each other the whole time. I always use the analogy of it's like when you have a new baby. If you have a new baby, everyone around you is like, how's the baby? And everyone just wants to hear the baby's great. But if you have a friend who also has a new baby, they're like, how many hours did they sleep last night? How many dirty diapers did you change? Like all of the nitpicky intricacies of what's going on. And that was, what'd your lawyer tell you today? Hey, did you hear about this? Did you know about this? Like we're in different states just over the bridge from New York City to New Jersey. But like our our divorces looked the same on the outside because of the circumstances. So we did have a lot in common. So that was like the, a lot of it. Like we need to figure out a way to help people be in the weeds with them when they're going through it. Because what the hell would we have done individually if we were going through this alone right was like the impetus of all of it as it turns out so we had new careers both of us and then about seven months before covid i was ready for a change again so i'm looking online and now when we got when we were separated there were no resources at all online nothing now there's too much information there are too many ads there are too many answers there it's just cluttered so we thought, you know what, let's clear the clutter. Let's find the best resources. Let's educate people. I feel like that was definitely a miss in my divorce for all that money and time. I learned nothing. I didn't learn how to manage my finances. I didn't learn really any of the stuff that was being negotiated. It was just kind of like, okay, you're done now. Good luck. And T told me, Pete, because I talked to her before. She says, look, we want to find good people to put out good information. And when you run out of them, then we're going to come to how to split a toaster. So here we are. That's <laughs> yes, exactly. So here we are, rock bottom today. <laughs> so you're telling us we made the list. <laughs> saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's an that is an extraordinary story, and I kind of want to see. Can we get the other uh, the new? Uh, did they get married? Just to end the drama for me, did they get married or did she come to her senses? Oh, no. She came to her senses for a hot minute. She got a bigger ring. They're married and they have a five-year-old. Wow. Wow. Eyes okay. wide open. Not my problem. Yeah, not your problem. Not your problem. I think this is, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a story that, well, it highlights a couple of things for me. The first of which, uh, obviously, the uh, about having good resources, and that's one of the reasons we like doing this show is because you know being able to illuminate the legal process part of the divorce is so important, and it is something that is can feel so inhuman for people going through it. Right? It's such a mechanical, like churning of meat yeah. process that can be really, really challenging. And so, being able to talk about that in a human way, uh, I think, is really important and and something to really highlight uh, about your community and your own podcast, uh, divorce, etc. I I think the other piece is about the the power of the the social support. Yes, that there's so much shame that goes that that can peek through the divorce process and the idea of, uh, you know, we always say shame hates the sun, right? Like when you have someone to share 
these feelings of like desolation that you have going through this process, it, it evaporates a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about the stigma around divorce in general, whether it's cultural in America, whether it's from, for religious reasons, whatever it is, there is still so much stigma and shame around it. And people don't want to talk about it in lots of different situations. I, I, I realized I was getting divorced on a Thursday night. Monday morning, I was starting a new job, like the biggest job at that point that I'd had in my career. And I went in wearing my ring for the next three months because I was too afraid to let anyone there know that I was getting divorced because I was running a national network news show. And I felt like no one was going to think that I was going to be able to stay focused on doing my job well. So whether it's work-related or whether it's personal, people feel like divorce is contagious. They don't want your kids, you know, their kids playing with your kids or you can't do X, Y, or Z. Like, it, you're right. And so the shame around it is a huge part of the problem. And we really are looking to break through that with ex-experts. We talk about it all the time. Not everyone needs to walk around feeling like divorce is a badge of honor. We've had many conversations and we have different opinions on it. TH feels like divorce does not... uh define her. It's it's just something that she went through. Like for me, it's not that I'm proud of the fact that my marriages didn't work, but I feel like the fact that I got through what I got through and was able to end up on my feet and still have an optimistic and positive outlook and take care of all the shit that I need to take care of every day with the kids and, and you know, work and whatever. Like I, I am proud of what I've gone through and and come out on the other side. So it's a conversation that needs to be louder. It's like a weak analogy, but like mental health is thankfully finally coming to the forefront. People are talking about it. When you don't talk about it, you're hiding it and you're contributing to the problem. Like you got to talk about it. Not everyone's going to agree with it, but it should be a conversation. I, I just want to finish that. Get you started talking about a national newsroom it, wearing your ring for three months in a newsroom because you're afraid of the stigma of divorce seems like, and, and I hope you echo this in hindsight, an oxymoronic position because most of those people were probably already divorced. It wasn't about that. It was my boss. I, I knew my my like direct report, the vice presidents, both of them were still married. It was more like I was a new entity at this network. And despite my experience and what I was bringing to the table, I just was afraid they were going to think that my mind was going to be elsewhere. And so, yeah. So, yes, probably a million people around in the newsroom were divorced, but weren't necessarily starting their divorce the day they were starting their new job. So, And it doesn't stop them from judging you anyway. Of course not. So the big question for me is what happens at the end of three months that causes that it causes you to be able to say, okay, this is I'm going to own this part of my identity today. I think it was more it was just like a gradual progression. So like I wore my ring most of the time and like maybe one day a week or two, like it started coming. Then I would, wouldn't wear my engagement ring. I was just wearing the wedding band. And, you know, so it was kind of like I was phasing it out, hoping and that every like, Thursday she was going out on dates and it was on her calendar. So I feel like by the time that job itself um, by the time I was in it for enough months where I felt confident with the show, confident with the ratings, confident that I was doing a good job and that they were pleased with my performance is probably when I started, you know, dripping on them like, yeah, here they're, you know, going through some stuff at home. But I, I, did, I don't think I ever said it, it happened like two days before I started here. It was more like I felt like I needed to prove myself first. And have them be like, oh, she's already been going through all this. It's all going to be fine. But that was also probably also a little bit proving it to yourself and also a little bit adjusting to the fact that, holy shit, I just asked for a divorce. I had the worst weekend ever. And now I'm just going to like, I'm not ready yeah. to take it all on. I think it was, I was very appreciative of the fact that I had something that was so con all consuming. Right. To keep you up. That right. I couldn't focus on anything else while I was at work. Like I had a show to put on every day. Every like, day. I couldn't, right. Yeah. There was no room for anything else. That for me was really good. Well, I was about to talk about that because people going through a divorce, I find either do one of two ways. It just consumes their every waking moment and their job performance plummets. And 
which is the last thing you want to have happen during a divorce. Um, or they get very hyper-focused and compartmentalized. I love those clients. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm going to send you homework, get to it when you get to it. Don't think about this. And they'll want to call me. Some clients want to call all day long, all day long, all day long, or every single day. We're not, there is not necessarily legal work to be done on a case every single day. And if there is, there's a problem. So, for example, you get a new case in, you meet, you talk about it. Maybe you get them in the week later to work on a parenting plan, but then you file for divorce and then you send out the discovery. I'm waiting 30 days now for the paperwork to come back. Now, our client might have given us some stuff and we might be processing it, but I just sent out a request for production, all these documents, uh, interrogatories, which are sworn answers. I'm asking questions. They have to swear their answers and giving back. Well, they're allowed 30 days. So nothing's going to happen in that time frame if we need that information. Now, if we don't need the information, we might request it in case we need it later, but let's try to get the case settled if you have enough information. So if you're talking to your lawyer every day, every couple of days, that means there's a problem. There's a lot of parenting problems. There's people are being nasty to each other. There's violence. Yeah, because there's 30 days where you as a client have very little chill in, in <laughs> most cases, right? Like, I, I have to imagine that is an incredibly stressful time. And as the attorney, you've got 30 days to wait. So let's move on to another case. But you know, that also brings up a good point, which is a, a lot of kind of the, the, you know, the reasoning on the mission behind ex-experts in regards to education, like people who aren't lawyers don't know what that process is. And so we talk a lot about how, how to know when you're choosing the right lawyer and how to choose the right lawyer for you. Because, you know, if you're explaining all of that to the clients, I mean, look, there are going to be some people who are agitated and like anxious all the time and calling every day, like Seth is saying, but like a lot of it, sometimes for people that I speak to, they don't, they don't understand. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what their lawyer is doing. They don't know what they're waiting for. It hasn't been explained to them properly. And like that lack of understanding and education is also a big problem when it comes to divorce. And there's the human nature when you don't know and you don't understand, you assume the worst. Of course. Absolutely. You know, we preach all about the fact that your lawyer is not your therapist. And by the way, I did have an excellent therapist, but I just felt at the very beginning, I felt like my lawyer needs to know this. I'm getting 30 text messages all night long harassing me. I'm get so that's like the off hours in between, like while discovery is happening, there's like harassment and, and, you know, not showing up for the parenting that's temporarily scheduled, you know, those kinds of things. And so you just, I I didn't know what my lawyer was going to do, but I just felt like my lawyer's got to know this. I mean, I'm paying her to just know this and nothing's really going to change. So to be on the client side, I'm just saying, you know, the problem is you don't know where to go. This isn't, this is part of my divorce. This is not a therapy session, but it is a therapy session to learn how to manage those things. But it's also a legal issue because my lawyer didn't say, you don't need to send me all of this. I don't need to read all of the text messages. On Monday, you tell me how many times he texted you over, you know, a 48 hour period and I'll handle it. But I don't need to read it. She never said that to me. So. Right. And, and, and I have this conversation and what we do is I tell people, right, when they tell me, hey, this is what's happening. This is the advice I give to all of them. I first ask them a question. Every client I've ever asked this question to gets it wrong. And the question is, why do you have a phone? Pete, why do you have a phone? Um, So that you can use me as an example in conversations like this. (laughs) (laughs) Seth, why do you have a phone? For my convenience. That's why we have phones. Some people say, well, so I can call my kids or so I can track them or so I can make reservations. Or It's for convenience and it's for your convenience. It is not a gateway to allow a third party, your ex or the person you're divorcing to fuck with you. That's not why you have the phone. So I say that and then I say, listen, this is the extreme thing to do. Get a new phone. And only give that number to the people that you know will not share it with them. 
and slowly transfer people over to your new phone because ultimately the phone that you have, only one person's going to be calling it. And when it goes off, you know what it is and you don't have to check it every minute of the day. That's great. So there's ways to handle that. And then about reading every text message, we have an app that we use where you would bring in your phone and I would plug it in and I can download every single text message that he sent you back and forth. Well, that's now, not back then. Not back then. Well, and and I just want to throw in here, like uh, to TH's point, there is a line at some point where the harassment becomes more serious, something that the attorney should probably know about and take action on. At what point does that line get drawn where you as a client, I, I don't know what's most appropriate, but I know that now it's gone from 40 text messages a night to I think there's somebody in my yard at night, like looking in my windows. Like those are the kinds of things that as a client, you might not know, but actually might be something that your attorney could do something about, right? Well, I could have sca- I could have just said, this is how many messages or he, he texted me all weekend long harassment. I didn't have to send the actual text messages to spend the time for her to read them. She doesn't really care what he wrote in them. You know, it doesn't really matter for my case, but you just, you become anxious and you become isolated and then you get into your own head. So I see my therapist once a week. I talk to my lawyer once a week, like who's helping me in between all of that, which is why we started X Experts because we totally get it. And, and those are not the people to go to anyway on the off chance that parenting didn't go well on the weekend where you don't have your kids this weekend, you don't know what to do and you're freaking out or it's Mother's Day and like, how do I schedule that? You know, all the other stuff and there's a lot because then life starts to happen. For sure. Seth, uh, according to the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, 10% of children live with a parent with an alcohol use disorder. We got to put a stop to this. We've just got to stop it. Well, I wish we could, Pete. Um, Some things are probably beyond our capabilities because uh, it's a disease. Yeah. And and we're just a podcast. That's right. But if you are being accused of having alcoholism or being an alcoholic, which I don't even like saying it that way because it sounds negative, like you're doing something wrong that you can control. Look, it's a disease. Mm -hmm. But it's a disease that can severely negatively impact your children. And so... How do we maintain sobriety and a check on sobriety when you're with your children so you can spend quality time with them? And that's what Soberlink is all about. That is what Soberlink is all about. What is Soberlink? So Soberlink is a device and a service. The device is like a breathalyzer, but more so. It has a facial recognition sensor in it. The whole idea behind Soberlink is when it comes time for you to drive, to be in the car with your kids uh, for handoffs, carpools, whatever the case may be, you blow into the Soberlink device and it sends a real-time Uh, notification to those who need to know. Uh, Counsel, co-parent, whoever needs to know that you are safe with your kids at the time of driving. And that is in everybody's best interest. It's in your best interest to prove that you don't aren't living with a problem uh, with alcohol, or even if you if you are struggling with alcohol, that you're safe with your kids at the time you're driving. And it can be trusted by your co-parent because again, facial recognition, incredibly valuable data being collected by this device. And Pete, it's independent third-party verification that happens instantaneously that you have not been drinking. And so it's not just when you're getting in and out of the car, but you can do it in the morning, you can do it in the afternoon, you can do it at night. Because then there's three points of time when they know the children are safe. And it immediately takes away the weaponization of arguing about alcoholism if you can do that and it's all 0.00. So I encourage people, do it. You're going to save some money on litigation, a lot of money. And the courts love it because they know what's really important. They can see the data that they don't have to say he said, she said anymore. Yeah. Soberlink's uh, remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over a half a million people prove their sobriety and provide peace of mind. And you can get started right now with 50 bucks off your device. Just visit Soberlink.com slash toaster. That's Soberlink.com slash toaster. Thank you to Soberlink for sponsoring this show. 
you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the event that you have coming up because it looks like a fantastic event. And in fact, um, your your partner in that event, Tracy Conan, was just like listeners of this show. Well, ju- you just heard you just heard Tracy yeah. on this show. Yeah. You just just here feels like yesterday. Uh, the the When Your Divorce Summit is uh, is coming up. Are, are you going to actually? Is is that the the guarantee? You go to the summit, you're going to win your divorce. It's a guarantee that you'll win if you understand what it means yeah. to win your divorce, <laughs> and, okay. and we do. And we do talk about that. Does not mean you know raking someone over the coals or taking someone for all they're worth. That's not what we consider a win. I mean, I think what's the expression they say? Like a a, a good compromise means that both parties walk away a little disappointed. Yeah, right. right. To win your divorce, we think that it's really more of like a family-focused kind of kid-centric result where you're putting the things that matter most at the forefront. You know, love your kids more than you hate your ex. And we talk about different strategies. Some of it is like what you can do for yourself. And then some of it does have to do with, look, the truth of the matter is there are people who hide money. You know, there are people who do very shady things and try to pull the wool over their spouse's eyes when they're getting divorced. So we have a lot of sessions that go through things that you really do need to know that might sound scary. You know, I don't know if you, you know, do you need a a forensic accountant, a private investigator, those kind of things. But a lot of it is like winning in the way that you know that what you've done is right, that you can look back. And everyone can kind of be proud of it in a way. No one, you know, treated the other one really unfairly or did anything dirty. That That's, for us, generally the idea of winning your divorce. And let, let's talk about that a little bit more because it is a common thing that lawyers will say is no one wins here. And the judge will say no one wins here. And I talk a lot to, with my clients about exactly what you're saying is we need to get away from percentages of how often we see our kids. You've never thought of a percentage before until you're forced to go through this divorce process. You've never really thought about how much money can I receive from my spouse's paycheck, right? It's we're married. The money goes in. Maybe I'm a bit of a spender. He's a bit of a saver or vice versa. Maybe like, I don't really know all the stuff where the money is. I just trust him. I run the credit card. It gets paid, right? Oh, taxes came through. Sure. I'll sign off on them. Like, because we're busy living our lives. So when I'm working with clients, one of the first thing I ask in every single potential client meeting I have is what is your goal for this conversation? And they'll say, I want to get divorced. I want to keep the house. I say, no, 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 no. I can't get you to divorce today. I can't keep your house today. When you leave here and you call someone who's your support system, I would like you to say, that was a good conversation. I didn't like everything Seth said because Florida law sucks. But at least I know that I'm hearing what I need to hear, not what I just want to hear. And we try to do that with all the conversations because what happens a lot with clients, to T's point, They just want to tell the lawyer and they start telling me this really long story. I'm trying to do an analysis to figure out what is relevant in that story and what is not. And there's a lot of very minute detailed type of facts that are flying my way. And I don't know what the question is. So I always ask them, start with your question and then tell me the story. And then I can focus with you on what it means to win. And winning partially is how you decide to go through this process, not just reacting to what the other person does. We have to respond. And the difference in my mind is a reaction has no thought, response does. Take it in, breathe, put down the phone, go enjoy dinner, spend time with your kids. When people call me and their kids are in the car, My first thing I say is, call me when your kids are not with you. You're never getting this time back. Go spend quality time with your children. I will talk to you at 9 o'clock when you put them to bed at 8.30. That's fine. But spend the time. Win the day. Every single moment you have with your kids that day, you win. Because you're with them. Yeah. Being present during turmoil and trauma is hard. 
also people like hold too tight to their kids. You know, they hold on too tight. It's just, it's just finding the balance. It takes a little bit, takes a minute to get into a groove to like absorb what's happening, have an action plan, be comfortable with a legal team. Like all, there is just a lot. So I so appreciate what you said, Seth. And I so wish you were my lawyer, but, um, well, next my, time. <laughs> yeah, there's been um, But, you know, I've learned so much because of the poor behavior of my lawyer. And so people are like, well, you got a good settlement. I'm like, do you, you don't even know how much money and heartache I had to spend to get an okay, to get a good settlement. Like, what does that even mean? So when we talk about winning your divorce, it's also, what do I need for me? What does the best outcome for me and my kids look like? And Jessica and I do uh, private sessions with people. And we really start with, where do you see yourself in five years? Are you still living in Jersey? Are you living in Florida? Okay. Are you working or are you not working? Let's start working back. Let's start going backwards on what this picture looks like. Your kids are already are already in college. So you don't need a huge house anymore. You know, what things do you love to do? I love to go fishing. Okay. Do you want to live in a place like that? So those are the things that make it a win. If you can create your outcome or kind of foresee a picture that's realistic for yourself and your kids and then work backwards. So that's really a big lesson we've learned from many of our experts through our our podcast, Divorce, et cetera. And that really leads to the win. How can I be comfortable, have a roof over my head, put my head on the pillow every night and be able to have a good night's sleep. That's a win. That's a huge win. Along with that, of trying to look forward is financial. Because what I say all the time, and Pete, we've talked about it when we've had the um, financial experts on the case. I can tell you with pretty clear confidence that your case is going to settle within this fairly narrow range. And this is what I can quote unquote get you, whether that's assets, him paying debts, whether it's alimony or child support, whatever the financial issue we're talking about. I can tell you in narrow range what the law should do. One, I can never tell you that the judge will do it. They get it wrong all the time. But I can never tell you what that money will do for you. And that's where you're talking about, like, where are you going to be in five years? So I do talk to clients about, okay, do we want to keep the house so the kids stay in the school district? Right. Depends on where you are. Yeah. Right, right. Or does it not matter because they're in private school so you can live anywhere and we can have a bigger range on where to go and what to do? Um, And sometimes when you don't look at a case as just who gets what, as opposed to why is one person keeping this asset? What is the underlying proposition that's driving that person to say, I want the house, I want the house, I want the house. Well, I want the house because I want the kids to stay in it for just three more years till they graduate. Well, that's a different conversation. Absolutely. So the win is is to be good with yourself, to be comfortable with yourself, You're going to make compromises. There are sacrifices, but the most important things, you know, you have to be realistic about it. It's not because you got this painting. And meanwhile, I was stuck with a couch that I had to have someone haul off for me. I mean, just like, it just becomes silly. So don't let it be silly. Like really focus on the most important things in your life, your family, your health, yourself, where you live, what you want to do. Right. But T, you just touched upon things that people don't talk about enough. And what you're touching upon is we can go argue over this stuff. But you only have so much bandwidth. Jessica had a job to do. She wants to get through this divorce as quickly as possible so she can go focus on her life. Right now. What is that mental health good for? What are you willing to give up financially or what are you willing to give up so you can be done? That's such a, like, to me, that's literally the million dollar question. And I talk about that a lot because I definitely left a lot on the table in both divorces. For me, 
my emotional well-being and being able to continue friendships with my exes outweighed how much I could have gotten at, you know, out of this or this in the divorce. And you have to, you do, you have to decide how much is the money actually worth? That's right. Because when you amortize it over how, you know, however many years you have left to live, like, is that really going to make a big difference in your life? But people are so caught up in like the resentment and the anger and the vindictiveness while they're in the process of it, that they really do lose sight of the bigger picture. And that's such an important thing. Because the money is how we keep score, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Pete. Right. Exactly. Because that you can actually but, track, not the trauma of your kids at night going to sleep and not the lack of eating and not the, you know, problems in school and problems in work. Like, really, it's it, it it's a money game. Well, exactly. And this is the whole thing, though, right? Because that, just to Jessica's point, you have we have to talk about the value. How much is that money worth? An economist is going to answer something very different than somebody who's in the middle of a divorce process and clocking the actual value of that money. There's another problem here that I speak a lot about to my clients. They call me and they're like, I'm done. I want a divorce. I've been dealing with this for X number of years. I'm done. And I said, that's great. You're telling me you're done with the emotional divorce. The legal process, the legal divorce is just starting. Yeah. And that takes anywhere from six to 18 months and could be longer. And they said, oh, my God, it's going to take that long. And I said, no, I can get your case done in five minutes. And they get very excited. And they go, how do you do that? And I say, it's easy. Accept their offer. Right. They're like, oh, I can't do that. Well, there's the rub. Right. You can always end it by accepting the offer. Right. And that is a choice that you have. And literally, I have gone to cases where I just couldn't get an offer out of them because they're not required to give you one. But when you tee it up for trial and the judge says, we're having a pretrial conference in five days before that pretrial conference, you have to submit what your parenting plan you want the court to rule on. You have to submit your equitable distribution sheet. You have to submit your alimony calculations. You have to submit your child support calculations. You have to submit how much you're asking for for fees. And then we get that and you walk into court and the judge goes, Mr. Nelson, do we need three days to try this case? No, Your Honor. I think we need about 20 minutes because we're left with one issue. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? And I say, judge, we accept everything on their sheet except for X. Right. And you want to take some wind out of people's sails when they don't get to court and they don't get to have a third party judge tell them that they're right. Yes. Yeah. They lose. You yeah. just won. Except they've spent so much time and energy and money getting to court. That in and of itself, it's like that, you know, it, it, Seth, what you said is, is we've heard so many lawyers say that I can predict within an inch of where your case is going to come down and, and, you know, how the money is going to be divided and what the custody is going to look like. And the idea that then people will still continue to fight for two years and end up within the inch of what you said in the beginning. It's like they just lose sight of it. Because it's the emotions that screw it all up. Yeah. My my human emotion demands to be heard. Yeah. Yes. People want to be heard. Jessica, to your point that in T, well, people spend all this money, right? And that's a fallacy in negotiations. And I call it the buying a car issue. The longer you sit there when you're negotiating that car deal, the higher likelihood you are going to purchase that car. Because you've invested effort in the process. Right. And now you're already here and you don't want to go through this process again. And I'm going to get in trouble if my fiance listens to this because her family's in the car business. So <laughs> being careful here. Um, but that's the same in divorce. I've invested all this time. And we're on the eve of trial. I want my day in court. That was literally TH's story. They settled the morning of. That's what I said. We settled yep. two minutes before trial and they said After to settle. Four and I'm, years. Like, I'm like, what? We just spent <laughs> all this time and money. We are going to trial. And my dad said, no right. way. We are not spending another second 
another penny on this. We're signing on the dotted line. See you never. We're never coming back to this courthouse again. And that's what I did. But that it's just amazing how that happens because honestly, I was out. I was done. So I was in a scenario with someone and two bulldog lawyers who dragged me through everything. As you're talking about all the things you needed to do, like he had someone come in and appraise all of my grandmother's art that was hanging in my house. Let me go to an employability expert. I have a master's degree. So, okay, great. I can make $100,000, but where's the job? I don't want you to tell me how much I can make. I want you to show me the job. In Florida, they actually have to show that there's a job available within a certain geographical location. So I love it, T, when someone says, oh, I'm going to do a vocational evaluation on your client. I said, awesome. And they're always shocked. They're like, what? And I'm like, you're going to find them a job. You're literally going to have your client pay to be my client's job coach. Job coach. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. Amazing. That is awesome. Because she's been applying for 50 jobs a week and hasn't gotten a bite. Appreciate it. When are they available? Yeah, that's so funny. Can't happen soon enough. Crazy, but that's why, like, all of that. And also, for me, it wasn't really shame about the divorce. Like, he was bad. He was ugly. The stuff he did was atrocious. The lying was colossal. Like, I was definitely the, you know, the sweetest smelling flower in the room. But the process itself is humbling. Like, I went to take a test for the employability expert, and I walked out. And my lawyer was like, how'd you do? I'm like, I think I did well. She's like, you could have done badly on this test. I was like, I can't even do well on the test <laughs> for a job that's not even out there. Like, just, I can't freaking win. But that was a waste of time. A waste of time. And that's the kind of stuff that was shameful for me. Like, I was being shamed in those circumstances. One of those things, T, is in, I'm not trying to Monday morning quarterback this, right? Because here's how this goes. I say to the other side, she has a master's degree. What do you want to impute her income as? Right? But now they have to give me a number for me to agree to. So if they don't give me a number, then I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you're stuck going through this. Right. So all of that exercise, he never imputed income on me. Waste of time and money. Just to put me in a position of feeling like crap about myself. And then we're good. But like, I never had to go through that. And so... But yeah, I because you're like imagine. making TV shows left and right. <laughs> no, 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 but I just got the best job of it, my life. <laughs> Let's impute more income to her. <laughs> it was, but it wasn't that. I'm just saying like there are so many different kinds of experts and so many people that you could be subject to have to be meeting in your divorce. And it's so scary. And when you are doing that and you, you know, don't have someone who's kind of in it with you the way that we were together, like. that's what we want to try to help people so that they understand all of the different elements and all of the different pieces that go into divorce that could go into their divorce so that they're not as worried when they go into it. Like we did something recently with a parent coordinator. Like it might sound really scary to someone to have to have a parent coordinator, but when we spoke to the parent coordinator and the way she explained it, it actually can end up being a huge benefit and an asset to someone in their divorce. So like, as long as people understand the process and know what they're going through, it, it will alleviate a lot of the stress and anxiety if they're properly informed. And one more thing really is we are shining examples that you are going to be so fine. It really is okay. Number one, you're not alone. 50% of all marriages plus another 20 of misery in other relationships are out there. You are not alone. And everybody's been through their own version of crap as far as divorce is concerned. I mean, Jessica had her, she had a small version of crap because she had to deal with it. It was, the resolution was, was easier, but you are going to be okay. As long as you take the time to learn, don't ignore the importance of knowledge and standing up for yourself and asking hard questions and challenging people. And, and you will be heard and you will be appreciated and you will be supported. And the purpose of us is to give you that education. So if you go and you see Seth, 
You know what questions to ask Seth. You are prepared for that meeting. You are now taking charge of your life. And only you can do that. Only you can take care of yourself, learn for yourself, and empower yourself. And Jessica and I are here to help you with all the other crap, but also to guide (laughs) you on the right education and the right right resources. Don't go to the Facebook group where it's a trauma dump and you're going to sit in your pain pit because you're going to be yelling like everybody else is yelling. And listening to all the toxicity. Understood. Go and yell. And then let's keep moving forward. When you do that, you save yourself money. That's right. You save yourself money. You will be paying for your children's college education and not my son's college education. Right. Because you're doing that hard work at a lower rate when you're going to find real world experience and true knowledge on the process and demystifying the process. So when you go talk to your lawyer, you'll be organized. Pete, we've done shows like this. What do you need to do when you first interview a lawyer? If you're doing all the talking, it's a problem. Yeah, right, right. Then it's, then it's you're, you're subverting your own therapy that, at a very expensive rate. All the listeners need to save some money in Get on your summit coming up. Yeah, summit is coming up. Tell us a little bit more about the summit's coming up May 10th and 11th. What can people expect? So it's May 10th and 11th. It kicks off on both days at noon Eastern time. It starts and ends each day with a live session. Some of the live sessions are divorcing a difficult person or narcissist, what you can control in your divorce, hidden money, and co-parenting and family matters. So those are what the four live sessions are about. We have amazing experts participating in each of those live sessions. And then between each of them, we have pre-recorded sessions that you should take out your notebook and a pencil for because it talks about forensics. It talks about, you know, your own therapy. It talks about how you can live your life. It talks about parenting plans, child support, spousal support, the purpose of it, what the experts are, the types of divorce that you can engage in. When Jessica and I got divorced from our husbands, you got a divorce. We didn't get like a whole menu to choose from. Well, you guys have a whole menu of options here and how to pick the right lawyer, all of the things. It's called a la carte divorce. (laughs) One of my favorite games to play. So we educate you on everything you need. This is for people who are thinking about it and who are in the thick of divorce. And if it's not you directly listening to this podcast, I have a feeling you know somebody who could use this summit. So that's what it's all about. It's all online. It's virtual. Your identity and privacy will be respected and maintained You so you can engage and contribute in a way that works for you. We will put the links uh, on uh, in the show notes. So just swipe up in your podcast app and you'll see it down there in the show notes. Just scroll down, you'll find it. We appreciate you uh, looking at that. Now, before we wrap up, I have a question for both of you. Yeah. Do you have any interest in getting remarried? I do. Jessica didn't hesitate at all. There I didn't. I, yeah, I, I used, I, I kind of was a, a little soured on it after my second divorce. But I, I feel like over the past year, I've definitely opened up to it. And not because there's a specific person that I'm like, you know, looking to, to marry. But I believe in marriage. And I, that's what I want in terms of a, a long-term relationship. So this is not to dismiss what Jessica says, because she's like the eternal optimist and it's awesome and all of those things. She's always liked a married life. For me now, because of the type of marriage I had been in, I am in the most amazing relationship ever. If I were to get married, it would only be to him. We have a home together. Our families are together. We're all connected on all of that. So for me, it's less about marriage per se in a marriage contract. I have what it takes to have the greatest relationship for the rest of my life. And if there's a certificate that goes with it, great. If there isn't, great. It, it doesn't really matter because I have the I have the foundation now because of where I am, how I've grown, and he and I are in the same place. And so that's my answer. Both of those are absolutely lovely answers, especially because Seth is on the verge of getting married again. I and know. so I think he's fishing. I think he's fishing for people to just support his decision. No, no. But here's the interesting part. I was in Jessica's camp. Absolutely, yes. My fiance was in TH's camp. 
for a really long time. Really long time. No, she had no desire to get married again. She was like, I'm in a committed relationship. Things are great. Why, why do we need a piece of paper? Why do we need this? Why do we need that? And she went to therapy on that. I went to therapy on that. And literally, when the question became, Seth, well, why do you want to get married again? I'm like, it's in my DNA. I can't even explain it. And I did a lot of therapy on that. So then ultimately, we split up. Now, part of the reason we split up was because I wanted to get married and she did not. If she was on the show, she would tell you a different story about that. And I would concede that her story is correct because it's just smarter to do that. That's right. Right. But part of the deal is when we started talking again, I said, I can't even do this again. I love you too much. It was too painful breaking up unless I know we're going to get married. And unless we can like say, this is when we're getting married. And we worked it out. And so, yes, I am getting. When are you getting married? July 4th. Oh, my God. So soon. Okay. Okay. Well, congratulations. It's been like 13 years. Yeah. And then we've been engaged for a year and a half. No one has said so soon. So soon. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Well, soon from now. It happens that's very correct. slowly and then very, very quickly. That's great. I love hearing that. Oh, yeah. But I really love both those answers because they're both correct. They're just different. Not right or wrong, I should say. So. Yeah. And that's also for us. I mean, we are the bestest of friends. The fact that we opened a business together, we've been through all this shit together, we, whatever. We have different perspectives on things. So it's when you listen to us on our podcast or you do sessions with us or whatever it is, and every week we have a newsletter that goes out with a note one week from Jessica, one week from me, you're going to resonate with one of us or both of us. So we have very different perspectives on things. So I think people appreciate that. Yeah. Well, uh, it's wonderful to have you both here. Find the links in the show notes, xexperts.com. The podcast is Divorce, etc., cetera, uh, where finer podcasts are served. Definitely go listen to it. It's great. You guys are wonderful. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Thanks so much for having us. It's been really fun. Thank you so much. This was a great end of my day. Oh, good. That's a perfect. I think I'm going to end my day too. Hour, even though right? I've got hours left in my day, but I, I can start drinking anytime. Whatever works. It's fine. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Let's go. Well, we sure appreciate all of you for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Jessica and DH, and don't forget Seth Nelson, America's favorite divorce attorney, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you right here next time on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with NLG Divorce and Family Law with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of NLG Divorce and Family Law. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.